Indian up in McKinney. This is According to Callus. This is episode 276. We're coming out on October the 5th. It is a Wednesday. And those of you that pay attention, you might have noticed that not only did you not get a Texas Tuesday or a Texas Tuesday. I'm sorry. I just had to do some follow up on that uh, school board nonsense and uh, basically lay it all out on the line. And this week is going to be basically just talking about elections and how we look at them and some things to consider going forward. And I, I wanted to kind of tie everything together this week. I think it's going to provide uh, some insight. And to that end, uh, today, Wednesday, we're going to call it Sell the Election. Okay. I'm going to tell a little background story or two about myself and why this relates. Uh, some of you may be aware that I did run for school board once upon a th- school board. <laughs> uh, what I meant to say is I ran for city council. That school board thing is just on my mind and I cannot put it away. But I, I ran for city council. Uh, I did not get the outcome I was looking for. Uh, but I did accomplish a couple of things I wanted to do. And I've moved on. And that is pertinent because... Until you've actually run for election for something, it's really hard to wrap your head around some of the stuff that's going on. So, I remind you of that. And as always, I ask, please, like, share, comment, subscribe to the show. We're growing. Uh, we're well north, well north of 22,000 downloads. The uh, biggest uh, download of an individual episode that I've had is the episode from last week, Thursday, thus far, having to do with the shenanigans from last Tuesday. It was on a Thursday when I put that episode out and I added to it yesterday on Tuesday again. And today we're going to just talk about elections and some of the stuff that goes on with them. And the reason why I want you to know where I'm coming from is because if you don't understand the thought process some of my reluctance to comment or some of my mm, thoughts behind it might not make sense. So let's go to the beginning because the beginning is where we must begin. And that has to do with sales. Every election is a sales pitch. Your job is to convince the voters, a majority or at least the plurality of them, that you are the best person for the job. Now, in uh, general election time, that means you have an R or a D after your name, and occasionally you might have somebody with an L or a G after their name. Now, if you're fortunate enough and you're listening to me and you're in New Hampshire, you guys actually have the mother load because of the Free State Project. But if I go into that, I will go way off topic. So, focusing back in McKinney, Texas, Collin County, Texas, right? Your sales pitch is. I am a Texas conservative. Why do they say that? Well, because, first of all, as I've said many, many times, conservatives don't actually conserve anything. They end up defending progressive ideas from 10 or 20 years ago. But if you're a Texas conservative, that means you're not only tougher, you actually defend ideas that are 50 years old. (laughs) And, And I shouldn't be mean because I actually have a friend that that's part of his, you know, sales pitch. Texas conservatives are another breed. They're a lot more aggressive and they're more defending of liberty. 
That's my takeaway. Now, the flip side of that is, if you're running with a D after their name, you're selling some form of progressiveness. Unless, of course, you are somewhere near the border, in which case you might have to thread the needle of being a good moderate and the other person running with an R after their name is a radical. In either case, your sales pitch is, I'm going to offer you something that the other person can't offer you. And a lot of that sales is telling you I can do things as a candidate that one, I either have no intention of doing, two, never have the authority to do it, or three, realistically, is a pipe dream. Now, the sad thing is that sales pitch is is I am trying to convince you that I'm going to give you those things. So you may have guessed at this point that that was something that I did not excel at. (laughs) I wasn't going to tell people that I could do things that I couldn't do. I wasn't going to tell people that I was going to have an impact that I can't have. And I wasn't going to tell people that by voting for me, I was going to fix all their problems. That's a bad sales pitch. It really is. And then you may notice that there are varying degrees of that that play out all the time with every election. They make a bunch of promises that they aren't going to keep. Or my personal favorite. And, and look, I use this tagline too, right? Transparency. Accountability. Everybody wants that. Everybody says those are important things. But what do they really mean? Good question. I don't think anybody has a good answer. Now, when I when I campaigned or when I would get asked the question, I would say, well, look, there's a process as to how things are done. We need to be transparent about that process. We need to be out front about it. We shouldn't be hiding behind closed doors. We shouldn't be declaring executive sessions. We shouldn't be doing all the side deals. We need to be upfront about what we stand for, what we think about this project or this idea, and why we're likely to vote or do one thing or another. That was how I would translate what transparency means. The flip side of that, accountability. Well, this is a big, big challenge because when our city and our school board was set up, it was in the progressive era where they were selling the idea that you wanted a professional class to run your city or your school district. You didn't want it to be subject to the whims of your elected officials. You might get an elected official that wasn't really qualified to be in charge of this. So therefore, you had to have a class of people, the bureaucracy, that would run it for you. And that sounded great back in about 1930. And a lot of people bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And what's happened is we've got an insulated, isolated, bureaucratic bloviation that runs everything. And all they ever do is protect their turf and grow it. And they base their importance upon how large their budget is or how much power they have. That doesn't serve anybody well, but that's what we're stuck with right now. So if we're going to talk about accountability, as you may know, the city of McKinney has been through a number of city managers in the last 10 years. And the one we have now, I have no personal grievance with one way or the other. I'm guessing he's doing an okay job because he's still there. But if the city manager is the only person that can be fired by the city council, 
the city manager becomes a fall guy for a police chief or a fire chief or, I don't know, the head of public works or whatever other department underneath him that do a bad job. He, that person saw, serves as the fall guy because they're isolated and insulated from the city council. Now, I myself don't think that's the best situation. I think that if the city council wants to fire anybody, they ought to be able to do it. In fact, I would think that'd be a way to hold the city council accountable in and of itself. You have bad people working for you that you refuse to deal with. So we're going to fire you. Oh, by the way, the city manager that you let go and you now have an interim or a temporary or whatever the story is. That's great. But. You need to deal with these issues. Now, I know in a political world, political things happen. I mean, they ran off the fire chief in Frisco. Politically, he resigned. Whether he's good or bad is irrelevant to this conversation because it has to do with political pressure. Political pressure applied gets things done. But when political pressure isn't applied, in fact, it's used to push back on the very people that are paying for everything, that becomes a problem. When you are defending the bureaucracy over doing the right thing, you're the problem. You're not allowing for either transparency or accountability. Now, those two things mean something, but when you run off of that, it sounds like a platitude unless you're willing to back it up. Unless you're willing to explain what it is you're wanting out of that. Sales is what it's at. Sales is presenting an idea and getting you to buy into it. Now, when I was a young man, it was said of me that I could sell ice to an Eskimo. I was credited as being an excellent salesman. And, you know, I won, uh, you know, and I don't tell this story to brag because it's really nothing to brag about stuff you do when you're 12 to 17 and you don't do that stuff anymore is really of little relevance. But what I'm telling the story for is to underlie my understanding of, I know what sales is and I know how it can be done. And I won a number of awards, a number of contests, a number of prizes. I was good. But the problem was, as I got a little older I came to the realization that I was selling a product that I didn't think was all that anymore. I was forced to come to the conclusion that newspaper subscriptions, for instance, didn't deliver what I was promising. That really kind of messed with my confidence. And I got out of selling. You know, it's one thing to sell candy bars and popcorn and newspapers and newspaper subscriptions and all that stuff when you're young and there's really no accountability for what you've done. But when you get older and you have to face yourself in the mirror, it kind of stares at you. Do I want to sell something that I myself don't believe in? That's a challenge. Now, For a good chunk of my adult life, I worked in the automotive business. And I always tell people I was on the service side because I know how most people feel about car salesmen. And I'm going to tell you, I've known plenty of good car salesmen and few saleswomen for that matter. And what they should be doing is listening to what you want and guiding you to a product that fulfills your desire. 
And if they do it well, you pay for it. If they don't do it well, you look somewhere else. Now, there's shady things that go on, yes. There, there are shady salespeople. There are shady products. Okay, that's all granted. But if you've got a good salesman selling a product, no matter what the product is, that salesman will do a good job as long as they believe in the product. And if you're a used car salesman, well, now you have a whole lot of other options available to you because it might be one thing to say, you know, I'm I'm a Dodge guy. I love Dodges. It's really easy to sell Dodge. But if I have to go to Chevrolet, I can't, I can't sell a Chevrolet. I think Chevrolet stinks or vice versa. And actually, I probably should have said Ford because that's one of the few brands I didn't ever work for. So, you know, it's real easy to pivot if you don't care or you don't have a vested interest in your product. But if you do and you're a car guy or car girl and you're all in on one brand or this brand or that brand, it's hard to sell a brand that's not affiliated with that. So I have a I have an appreciation for what a good car salesperson can do. I really do. And that translates to everything. If they're good at sales, it doesn't really matter what the product is because they're basically giving you what it is you're looking for and guiding you to the outcome, in my opinion. And then let me just pivot for a moment here. There's a difference between sales and marketing. And I'm going to largely credit Mr. Jack uh, from his definition of sales and marketing. And I'm fairly certain it's not his definition that he took it from somebody else, or maybe it's an industry approved standard. It doesn't matter. I heard it from him. I give him credit. And for those of you that don't know, I'm talking about Jack Spierko and he's been around for, I don't know, 3000 some odd episodes. And he talks primarily on self-reliance and survivalism. And if that's your thing, you should go check him out. And if you already know who he is, well, now you know where I'm coming from on this. Sales being transfer of belief, marketing's telling your story. So the other thing that you have to do in an election is tell the story. So if you're telling your story well, the sale tr- flows right out of that. You're telling them your story. This is what animates me. This is what I'm interested in. This is why I'm running for this office. And if you tell a good story, you've got their attention, you've got their interest, then it becomes, I'm the best candidate because, and you're transferring that belief, right? So if you don't have good marketing, you're not going to get the sales, which are the votes. Okay. Now, one of the problems is marketing often follows suit with the story of exaggeration, the story of the world's going to end if this person doesn't win or this team doesn't win. You've maybe heard the phrase, the most important election ever, or this is the most important election in our lifetimes, says every election since about 1992. So when you run, you have to look at, how do I tell my story that's compelling, but not full of a bunch of exaggeration and garbage? And then how do I convince people that I'm actually the best candidate or I'm going to best fulfill the outcome of the story that I've just told? So you may now be wondering, well, Stephen, you know, come on, you ran for office. You're an excellent salesperson. Why didn't you do better? Well, you know, 
A lot of that goes down to marketing. When you're outspent roughly 10 to 1, it becomes a big challenge to get in front of enough people to transfer belief. Likewise, I'm not the guy that's going to make a bunch of promises that I can't keep. So, for instance, in many races, you hear from somebody running for state rep or state senator saying that they're going to do X, Y, or Z. And it doesn't matter what the issue is. But the fact of the matter is, if you're a state rep, you're one of 150 people. And if you're a Republican, you're probably one of 90 to 95. And you all work for the state uh, Speaker of the House. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah. Well, if you want to get anything done, you have to, you know, answer it as beck and call. Now, if you're a unique individual, a la Jonathan Stickland, you may very well say, well, they can go pound saying I'm going to do what I want to do. But you also have to face the reality that you're going to get nothing done. You're going to be a pariah. And if you're okay with that, if if that's kind of what you're made up of, and I know a few people like that, perhaps myself included, that's not a bad thing. We could use a half a dozen of those people down in Austin, both in the House and the Senate. Likewise, if you're running for state senator, you're one of 33, and you all work for the lieutenant governor, in case you didn't know that. Uh, you won't get anything done that the lieutenant governor doesn't want because they'll kill it, just like the Speaker of the House will kill it. And at the end of the day, everything else is an excuse or a distraction. But when you're running for office, you're selling the story that you're going to make the difference. You're going to be the one that's going to tip the balance into our favor, whatever the subject and topic is. That's a hard sell. That wasn't a sell that I would be willing to make. That that's that's not something that I'm comfortable with. And I, you know, in just a moment of vulnerability here is I've often told my wife and some close friends that my challenge is, is I can sell anything but myself. How do I sell myself that I'm going to make the difference or I'm going to solve the problem when I know darn good and well that I would just be one of many that I, I can't actually accomplish the things that I would want to accomplish because I would be the ant pushing the rubber tree plant. Huh? I mean, if for those of you that don't get the reference, it take too long to explain. The idea is that one person can make a difference, but often not in the way that you would think. So, for a moment, thinking this is the most important election ever, and we have to get our guy or our lady across the board as the finishers. They've got to win because we've got to hold our majorities. There becomes the sales pitch. What are you going to do? What What is it you're going to accomplish? Now, one would suspect that if we've been paying attention, our governor who wants to be president is going to see that Arizona has done an excellent job with their school choice program. Theirs is the gold standard. I mean, even the libertarians are taking notice. It's not perfect in their eyes, but they're like, that's pretty darn good. We like that. He's got to look over in Florida. That guy's taking the bull by the horns. He's fighting back with the press and he's protecting liberty and he's pushing forward and he's kicking the feds out and he's doing this and he's doing that. So one would think 
that Governor Gregg's going to look at that and say, well, I'm going to have to one-up both of these people. So perhaps we might just get a really good school choice uh, law to come out of the House and Senate this guy around. Perhaps we'll get somebody pushing back against the feds or they'll do something about the border now or or perhaps they'll, I don't know, stand up for the individual Texans and Texians and the Tejanos and, you know, the people that are here that are actually have a vested interest in what's going on in Texas. Perhaps those will happen because, you know, it's the most important election ever. That's what they want us to believe. That's what they need us to believe. You have to motivate your base. Elections are won by your base. Oh, yeah, there's the swing vote and, you know, that's nice and maybe that's a little cream on it. But you can't win if your base doesn't show up. And if you're a Republican in the state of Texas and you've been paying attention for the last 20 years while we've ran both the House, the Senate, and the big three, and we look and we see... We don't have a whole lot to show for it. Oh, okay. You know, wait, the last two cycles, we did get some good things out there. I mean, they, they gave us a little more than crumbs. We're happy with some of the outcomes, but now the governor's got a vested interest. The governor wants to be the president. Is he going to do it? Don't know. Is he going to be willing to take the bull by the horns to lead Now, that's one of the things that, you know, I think is a fair criticism. Our governor doesn't want to lead. Our governor, quite frankly, seems to be dragged, kicking and screaming to every confrontation he has with Democrats or progressives or leftists or whatever your preferred term is for it. And I'd be really curious to see how this lays out. Because, you know, it is the most important election ever. And, you know, we got the big red wave, right? We're going to take back the House and the Senate at the federal level, and that's going to make everything better because we're going to stop that Biden guy. Okay, maybe. But there's been a lot of bad laws passed already, and there's a ton of, (laughs) well, executive orders that are just waiting to be overturned by the next Republican president, should we get one. And they have, oh, I don't know, the intestinal fortitude to do that job, but When 2024 comes around, that's going to be the next most important election ever. And God help us if one of those candidates is Governor Gregg. Because Governor Gregg doesn't know how to lead. Governor Gregg won't lead. He's showing time and time again that he doesn't want to take charge of anything. Now we got Arizona. That's going to get a new governor. We've got Florida that's going to keep their good governor. We've even got a pretty darn good governor up in South Dakota. Not 100%. Well, let's put it about a 85. And, you know, there's a few other governors out there that are really quite good. And there's probably two or three senators that are all going to throw their hat in the ring because they're all going to want to be president. Unless, of course, the Donald throws his hat in the ring, in which case they're all going to sit back and basically let the Donald run again. And, of course, it'll be the most important election ever. And we're all going to be rescued from our certain death because, well, you know, orange man cometh again. Now, don't get me wrong. He's the nominee. I'm going to support him. Absolutely. Because he'll be so much better than whoever's running with a D after their name. That's a given. It's not even going to be close. But the question, the underlying question is, are you going to buy their story? 
Are you going to buy the story that they're going to save us all? Are you going to buy the story that they're going to fix everything? Are you going to buy the story that government actually has answers when more often than not, they don't and they create more problems than they fix. That leads us into a conundrum, doesn't it? Which is going to be the last point of today. Truth in advertising. So, I know I have discussed on more than one occasion the fact that I had planned on running for Texas House. That I really thought I had a chance. And but for a half million dollars and the fact there were three other candidates, I might have run. And I got to tell you, the challenge I would have found is, how do I run a truthful campaign of who I am? How would I tell the story of who I am and why I'm running and then transfer that to somebody else and convince them that I am their best candidate? So I haven't really given this a lot of thought because, you know, I kind of checked out of that race real early. You know, if you if you didn't have six figures to run for a house seat in Collin County, why bother? Well, that is an issue. But let's think about this for a second. We have six house reps in Collin County. All of them are Republican, at least for now. It looks like that's going to be the case. And they run the gamut from complete weak sauce to a moderately good conservative. But what if, but what if we could rethink one of those house races? What if, what if we were given a chance where it was maybe another open seat or perhaps it was an incumbent that really didn't do a good job and you're running against them. You don't have the money, but what you do have It's good marketing. You can put your story out. What's your story going to be? What's your sales pitch going to be? How are you going to transfer your belief in the product? So fair enough. Let's do it. We've got three, four minutes. Okay. My name's Stephen Kells and I'm running for the Texas house. And the reason why I'm running for the Texas house is because though we have sent Republicans down there to do our bidding to real back government to protect our liberty, they have failed to do it time and time again. And let me tell you, we've got nearly a two-thirds majority, but they're all afraid. They're all afraid to make a move towards liberty. They, they won't even speak on the issue. Oh, they come around every other year and they give us platitudes of how they're the most conservative and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. But they won't stand up to the Speaker of the House. They won't stand up to the lieutenant governor. They won't stand up to the governor. They're not willing to speak truth to power. Now, Democrats, they're real good about speaking their truth, but their truth is usually garbage. Their truth is usually half-truths and sometimes outright lies. But I'm here to offer you an alternative. You see, once upon a time, we had two or three Texas reps that went down there And they were not favored by the Republican establishment. In fact, some of them were redistricted out or they were just suppressed to where they couldn't win re-election or they were put aside to where they became completely ineffective. 
But what they did do is they moved the Overton window. What they did do is force certain topics and certain issues to be brought up for discussion. What they did do is kill a lot of bad bills, and they did it voicefully. They let you know what they were doing, and they communicated to their constituents what their interest was, and they defended liberty. What I'm proposing to you is I'm not going to go down there and cut deals. I'm not going to go down there and look to becoming the most popular new state rep down there. I'm not going to go down there and look to get an endorsement out of the municipal group or the Texas Realtors Association or any of that stuff because I'm going to go down there and I'm going to work for my house district. I'm going to work to protect liberty. I'm going to be the most pro-liberty guy down there. And what that's going to mean is I'm going to get a lot of hate. They're going to make stories up about me. They're going to they're going to attack me. They're going to tell you all sorts of stories. But all you need to know is I'm going to be down there speaking truth to power. I'm going to be down there saying this is wrong. I'm going to be down there reeling back their lies. I'm going to be telling you the truth about each and every bill that comes up. I'm going to tell you who killed those bills. I'm going to be honest about what I believe and what I stand for. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's a whole lot of stuff that's going to come up that I'm going to oppose. And you're going to look at me like, why would you do that? Because I'm going to tell you right now, the state has no authority. That violates the state constitution or that violates the federal constitution. Or quite frankly, it shocks the conscience. The state shouldn't be involved in these things. And some of you are going to go and have problems with that. But you're going to also realize I'm 100% consistent. I'm always going to stand for liberty. I'm always going to do the right thing as I understand it. And the other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to have an open door for each and every individual that takes the trouble and the time to come down to Austin. And I'm going to meet with them and I'm going to listen to them. And I'm not going to just dish out a bunch of platitudes and tell them thank you for their time. I'm going to give them an answer. Now, they may not like the answer. They're, they may not agree with me, but they're going to know exactly where I stand and why I stand if they take the time to come down and see me. I'm going to make sure that everybody knows that I am their advocate for liberty down in Austin. And you know what? I may never, ever get a bill passed that I've authored. And I may never, ever get to co-author anything. But what I will do is be down there making noise. I will be down there speaking on behalf of all those that care about liberty. And what I will do is move that Overton window, just like somebody else we all know, love, and respect, Jonathan Stickland. And I'm going to make sure that when I come into the hallway, (laughs) they're going to know exactly who I am. And I'm going to make sure that my people, my constituents back in House District in Collin County knows full well that I've got their back. And I'm going to make sure that they have no reason to be confused about what I think. They're going to make sure that they have no doubt of what I believe. And I'm going to hope And pray that we can honorably disagree about some things because I think we're both well aware that what's going to happen in Austin is going to be largely beyond my control and my house districts. But we are going to have a voice and we are going to be heard. And in effect, I'm going to be the avatar 
or avatar, excuse me, I will be the avatar for all the Liberty lovers in the entire state of Texas. I'm going to join the couple of guys that we've got down there now and speaking about Liberty at every cost, at every time and remind people why we much like the founding fathers did before us, separated from the tyrannical government that was ruling over us to become our own independent nation. And I'm going to suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, that if you send me down there, I'm going to tirelessly advocate for liberty. And you're going to be proud to say, Stephen Callis is our state representative. And that, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) that would have been my sales pitch. That would have been the basis of my marketing that I was going to be the voice of liberty in the Texas house. And who knows, maybe in another couple of years, I'll get that chance. But for right now, I just want you all to understand when you see advertising, when you see promises made that you know darn good and well can't be kept, just know that that's just their marketing. (laughs) But the sad fact is, When they're on our team, we're going to have to support them. We're going to have to do what needs to be done to take the lesser of the evils. It's just the world we live in, and we got to make the best of what we've got. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) this was episode 276 coming out on October the 5th, which is a Wednesday entitled Sell the Election. And I hope... I hope that you're picking up on the passion and that you see where my mind and where my heart is and that you'll know that should the time come that I won't be sugarcoating anything that I'm going to do my darndest to make sure that you get the closest thing to a Ron Paul, Texas house rep that you possibly can. And with that, this was according to Callus. And until the next time I will see you on the other side.